0: Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Events have a way of confronting you with reality. The events of our present day frankly, have been pressing rather heavy on my own heart. We tend to assume, each of us do, that we have another day, that, that the precipice of eternity is, at least in some distance away from us, that death is not immediate or, or coming uh, presently. But the truth is, no one, no one knows The number of your days. Any of us here today may not live to see tomorrow. Any of us in this room today may not live to gather again with the church next Sunday. This fragility of life has always been. Tomorrow has never been guaranteed, no matter your age, your present health, or your current situation. But the consequences of the pandemic in which we're living has made for me the fleeting nature of life inescapably exposed, brutally honest. Every day there seems to be news of someone who I know, you know, who has become sick and, and died, and some of them rather quickly. Recently I, I got the news that um, a friend of ours, had gotten sick, diagnosed with COVID, and within days had succumbed to death because of it. Now, that's not the first of such news I've received, but this particular friend, when I heard the the news of his death, my heart broke uniquely because I have a very real concern that when his heart stopped and his breath ceased, that he stepped into eternity without the benefit, without the blessing of the blood of Jesus. He stepped into eternity under the wrath of God. And dear friends, that's a, that's a heavy burden that's heavy to bear. Known him for many years. If you knew him, you would probably say about him, he's a good man. I put that in scare quotes. He's a good man. Went to work every day, provided well for his family. He and his wife are trying to do their very best to raise their children. We interacted with them, had a mutual interest, and so interacted with them often. And through the years of interaction with him, oftentimes I knew he was lost. And so I would would look for every opportunity I could to, to share the gospel with him, to talk about spiritual things. And in every one of those conversations, he was always polite, always generous and kind to me, but never interested or concerned about as close as he would ever get to anything that sounded like he was interested. Well, he'd say, well, I know one of these days I need to start going to church. Now, friends, I'm going to tell you something. Going to church does not save you. You can go to church and be lost. So I I know I need to start going to church. He had family members that went to church. He, he, He understood culturally, socially there was something expected about going to church, something good about going to church. He knew I pastored a church. He knew I had a a desire for him to go to church. And so, but he would say that, but I'm telling you in all of our conversations, there was never a concern for the righteousness of Jesus or the consequence of his soul in eternity. I don't know this to be true. I'm guessing just based on our conversations that he felt like he had some time. He had passions in his life. He loved to hunt, loved to fish, loved to spend time with his family. He devoted a lot of energy and time to that. Nothing wrong with those things. But he had no, no curiosity, no interest, no concern, no passion for Jesus or for eternity. I think he felt like he had some time. That death, the consequence of eternity, was something to think about later, but not today. Today. So many times when I would have opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with him, of course I wanted him to see the eternal importance and urgency of the gospel, but he would always rebuff, say maybe someday, but not today. Now here's the heaviness, friends. When I would leave those conversations with him, I would comfort my own heart by saying, Well, the next time we get together, we're going to have a spiritual conversation. Next time there's an opportunity, I'm going to talk to him again about Jesus. Maybe the next time we are together, the Lord will have done something in his heart and he'll be open to hear the gospel. But, friends, there is no more next time for him. That's heavy. That's heavy. Such opportunities are no more. And that's a story that's played out not only for my friend, but for many more who have unexpectedly lost their lives in recent days. You know, the church does many wonderful and good things. But the singularly most important thing the church does is we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community and to the world. The foundational purpose, the foundational call of preaching is to proclaim the gospel to all those who would hear. All biblical sermons are gospel focused. If they're not gospel focused, they're not biblical sermons. All biblical sermons are gospel focused, but some are more explicit than others. And with the heaviness of where we are today, I want to take today and the next several weeks and be as explicit as I can about the gospel. Now, there are two audiences, I understand, that may hear this. One obvious are those who have not received Jesus unto salvation and who are lost today. I want you to hear me. I want to make the gospel simple and apparent. To those of you who have been sitting in the pews and watching online and have been saying every invitation, Maybe someday, but not today. I want you to hear as explicitly as I can make it the gospel of Jesus. But there's another audience here, and that's the church. And, and I, I see two things about the church. Number one, dear friends, if you know Jesus, that I hope when I preach the gospel today and the weeks that follow, it rings a bell in your heart. There is something about hearing the good news of the gospel to those who know it that just drives us. And so... I hope for those of you who know Jesus, that this will encourage you and spur you on. But I also understand that there there may be some church folk that as the gospel is explicitly preached, that you may become aware under conviction that you've not given your life to Jesus. Listen, and before we go any step further, I just want to say we cannot promise you tomorrow, but I can promise you that today is the opportunity for salvation. Let nothing, let nothing, let nothing keep you from Jesus. So today, we're going to consider Romans 6.23. By the way, all of the passages I'll be preaching in the next few weeks will probably rather be, be rather familiar passages to you. I may have even preached them here before, and I may preach them here again. But today we consider Romans Six twenty-three, And I want to make these three points this morning. In sin, you are dead, and sin leads to death. Secondly, there is a gift today that's been given to you, a gift of grace, and that is the gift of salvation. And that gift of salvation leads to the great hope of eternity, which is eternal life in Jesus. Let's begin with dead in sin. So, As as Paul makes his case for the gospel, he says in, in verse 23, for the cost of sin or the wages of sin is death. Sin brings about death. Now, when the Bible speaks about death, it, 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 there's a couple of things there that it means by there. And the first and foremost is that spiritual death is to be separated from the presence of God. Spiritual death is to be separated from the presence of God the cost of sin is death the wage of sin is death it's what you are due because of sin that is to be separated from God from the presence of God this is more than just the end of life this is more than just your heart stopping your breath quit breathing This death is what Revelation calls the second death in Revelation 21 where it says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That is the place, we might call it hell, where you are separated from God from all of eternity. Now next week I'm going to give more attention to that reality. But this morning I just want to make the case that this is to be totally and completely separated from the presence of God. Now the, tr- the reality is that no one who lives on this earth has ever known a moment yet of being totally separated from the presence of God. No one, even the most vile of sinner this side of heaven, This side of eternity has has known the complete separation from the presence of God. If for no other reason there are believers in this world who carry the spirit of the living God within them. Even the most worst wicked experience the presence of God through those uh, in this world who are God's children. Even if they do not recognize it or acknowledge it. For those who bear the full cost of their sin, they will know in the day of judgment Total, eternal separation from the presence of God. The cost of sin is death. Now, there is a present reality to this as well, and that is to be separated from the blessing of God. Those who know the Lord recognize the blessings of God in their lives. Certainly, God directly blesses individuals, but there is also a general blessing and grace the whole world enjoys presently, just by the the, the Lord working through this world. But the greatest blessing that the world that the whole world enjoys is that God has withheld His wrath. In other words, right now, even the most wicked among us is enjoying the blessing of God, and that he has not yet withheld his, he has withheld his wrath from being poured out upon this earth. That is why, even presently, both the redeemed and the wicked remain. But friends, there's coming a day that the consequence of sin is to be totally and completely separated from the the presence of God and separated from the blessing of God both specifically and generally. I I don't know if you appreciate this, but every breath that you take is an act of God's blessing in your life. It, it, It is a marvel to me That one of the earliest, recognizable, measurable things about your life is your heartbeat. You can get an ultrasound and see a little blip in your mother's womb. And that muscle works for the entirety of your life. That makes me a little tired, doesn't it, you? And right now. You are alive because the blessing of God has allowed that muscle in your chest to continue to beat. Have you done anything to make it beat? No. It is beating by the sovereign declaration of God. Praise God for that. And the blessing of that beating heart right now and the blessing of that diaphragm pulling air into your lungs and oxygenating your, your blood is that right now you still have an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus and receive it. But friends, there's coming a day when you will be completely separate. If you don't believe in Jesus, you'll be completely separated from God. You'll be completely separated from the blessing of God. And you will fall under the full wrath of God. Friends, no one will be able to stand under the wages of sin. No one this side of heaven has known the complete separation of God or the unrestrained wrath or the punishment of God. Separation from the presence and blessing of God will be so painful and full of suffering that it is unknowable, une- even unimaginable. The Suffering of the wages of sin will be overwhelming and un- unrel- unrelenting. We are all influenced by what we watch, see, or entertained by. When I was growing up, I'd watch cartoons, and a lot of the cartoons, when they would depict hell, was a little red devil, sort of in a fiery place, but having a pretty good time. Hell was a place where there weren't any restrictions, where the, where the consequences of righteousness and rules and regulations were were no more. It's where the party was happening. Friends, I'm telling you that is a false understanding of what it means to be separated from the living God. The truth is is that there will be nothing more terrible than than, than being eternally, totally separated from the grace, from the blessing, from the goodness, and the glory of God. Oh, there's more than you can imagine in those simple little words, for the wages of sin is death. It's the cost that outside of the blessing of Jesus you will pay. It is the consequence outside of the blood of Jesus that will befall you. It is the future outside of the saving grace of Jesus that is yours. The wages of sin is death. Paul begins there because he wants you to understand that today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Repent and be saved today. The wages of sin is death, but there's this beautiful turn where he says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now he says a couple of things about the gift of salvation. Number one, it's a free gift. Do you know how much you pay for a free gift? nothing Spurgeon writing about Romans six twenty three, says here you have both the essence of the gospel and a statement of that misery from which the gospel delivers all who believe eternal life does not come from what you are or what you have done the gift of eternal life comes as a free gift of God Salvation is given as an expression of the love of God. It is free to those who believe, but it was paid for by Jesus. You understand that dynamic. It is a gift free to you, but not a free gift to the one who gave it. It is free to those who believe, but it was paid for by Jesus. Friends, listen to me salvation is a freely received gift but you cannot earn it it is a freely given because you do not deserve it it is freely kept you freely re- it is freely kept and you cannot you, you freely remain in it by the grace of god it is something that you cannot earn you cannot deserve you cannot make happen it is only received as a free gift of god now here is the the frustrating thing about our flesh is that is in our pride. We don't want to owe anybody anything or be dependent on anyone for anything. There's just something natural. If somebody does something good for you, a favor for you, your first instinct is, well, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to do something good for you, even the score a little bit. I don't want to be indebted to you. Now, maybe sometimes somebody does something so dramatic for you, so overwhelmingly good for you, maybe something so overwhelmingly um, generous to you that you don't have the resources to to pay them back or the ability to pay them back, But, but even still, you try to be as gracious and kind and do all you can to express your appreciation and do the best you can to even the score, and we do that with the gospel as well. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with folks, and they'll tell me how they want to get right with Jesus, and so they start talking about things they're going to stop doing and things they're going to start doing. They're going to stop doing all those wicked things that are part of their lives. They're going to start doing things that they think are good, going to church and those sort of things. Nothing wrong with stopping wickedness and starting righteousness, but here, listen to me, friends. Salvation doesn't begin with action on your part. It begins with what Jesus did on his part. It is a gift that is given to vile and wicked sinners who don't deserve it. It is a gift given to us in the, in the, in the, in the context of us being dead in our sin. It is a free gift given to us. The only way to come to salvation is to receive the free gift that you could never deserve and you could never earn. If you're trying to deserve something, if you're trying to earn something, you've not received the free gift of salvation. It is a free gift and it is a gift from God. (laughs) Now, if you're maybe under the age of eight, you'll really appreciate what I mean by this but all of us know exactly what I mean by this story. Christmas time comes around, birthday days come around, and let's just say there's multiple gifts that are coming your way. Pretty early in life, you figure out when you read the tag, who's it from, whether or not it's going to be a good gift, whether you open it or not. I had somebody in my life when I was growing up always gave me pajamas. and nothing wrong with pajamas but when you're a 12 year old boy, you don't want pajamas, amen? And so I'd see that tag and I'd go, oh man, or a sweater or a shirt or something like that. But then there were some other folks in my life that, that when they gave a gift, they always gave gifts that were way too expensive for me. You know, my parents were like, ooh, that's too much. And I'd go, no, it's not. And so when you're, when you're ripping the paper off, you, you sort of have an expectation, oh, This uncle always gives amazing gifts that want to go there first. This sweet aunt always gives me an old sweatshirt or something. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Friends, listen to me very carefully. There is no better tag on a gift than a tag that says a gift from God. Somebody say amen. And what Romans is saying, what Paul is saying is this is a free gift of God. In other words, everything God gives is a good gift. And this is the best of the best of the goodest of the goodest gifts. I know that's bad English. God has initiated this gift. God has provided this gift. God has given this gift. When the lost are saved, they do not come to Jesus. Jesus comes to them. Salvation is not about man doing something about, uh, but about what God has done for man on the cross. The gift of salvation is a truly, truly, eternally good gift. The gift of salvation is a gift of a loving father to his beloved children. It is a good gift, a gift from God. And not only is that a good gift, a free gift of grace, but Paul says it is a gift of life. Listen to what he says. But the free gift of of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to hear me very carefully. Right now and until Jesus returns, our world will spend Crazy amount of money. Trying to find cures to ailments and diseases that afflict the humanity, that afflict humanity. The vaccines that were produced for COVID are really an achievement that is an, that's un- unparalleled in its speed and its time in human history. But don't you know we're. We're still spending a crazy amount of money trying to find a cure to cancer. And don't you know if there was a cure to cancer tomorrow, it would be celebrated? All kinds of things that are constantly being done to try to alleviate the pain and the suffering of life. I want to hear me very carefully. For all the money and all the resources that this world will spend on medical treatment, cures, medicine, medicine, They are only things that will ever, they will only ever treat the symptoms. They will never bring about the cure. The cure, the remedy, is the gift of salvation in Jesus. That's what we preach, friends. Listen to me. There is no medicine. There there, there is no treatment that can keep you from a car accident that takes your life there is no treatment or cure to old age That There is no treatment or cure to the reality of living in bodies that are under the curse and the consequence of sin and are falling apart. And in fact, it doesn't really matter how old you are today. Everyone in this room, no matter how young or how old, can give a testimony that our bodies are not working as they should or as we want them to. If you don't say amen to that, then you didn't hear me. The gift... The cure, the remedy, is eternal life in Jesus. Friends, eternal life begins now. At the moment of salvation, you have eternal life. Eternal life will be realized fully in heaven. To be present with the Lord, to be restored by God. This is the gospel. The sin separated man from God. There is no wickedness or sin that can be in the presence of God. So when man sinned, that sin became the barrier that kept us from the presence of the living God. God desires that we be set free from sin and enjoy his presence eternally. So God provided for our salvation through the sacrifice of his son Jesus to satisfy the wages of our sin on the cross with his death. Our sin was put on Jesus and his righteousness is put on us. And when you believe in faith on Jesus, that gift is made life in us, that we have our life in Jesus. To receive eternal life, you must be in Jesus. And to be in Jesus means believing faith, believing, having believing faith on Jesus. It means to have obedience to Jesus' commands. It means to have your eternal hope in Jesus alone. Being Jesus is to receive the forgiveness of your sins through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. To be in Jesus means to receive the the, the saving grace through believing faith. You cannot and you will not be in Jesus through any other means, not by works, not by ethnicity, not by church membership. You are only in Jesus through believing faith. Confessing that you were a sinner and believing that he died on the cross and rose again for you. You know, we all tend to believe that tomorrow will come. That's, I guess, a natural expectation. And I guess there's probably a spectrum there that the younger you are, you expect tomorrow to come more so than the older you are. But it's probably all natural that we expect tomorrow to come. When we lived in Adel, uh, we had a family move in to the house behind us. And um, there wasn't a fence separating our two backyards, and so you could freely walk between the two houses. And uh, the family that moved in behind us had a 10-year-old little boy named Gunner. And anytime time I was out in the backyard, Gunner would make his way over and just hang out with me. So it didn't really matter what I was doing. Gunner would come and, and hang out. And over the months uh, of Gunnar just spending time with me out in the yard and walking around with me and whatever I was doing, developed a relationship with Gunner. developed a relationship with his mom and his dad and his family. And so we began to invite them to church. And eventually um, they began to come to church, and it was just before the start of the summer in 2007 so they they started coming to church and Gunner heard we announced one Sunday morning that the kids we were doing sign-ups for Center Kid, which is a Christian camp we, the church kids go to during the summer for a week and Gunner asked his mama could he go. Well, he'd never been away from his home for an overnight trip, much less for a week away from home and it was a big deal for his mama. But through with some with some tears and some encouragement, she let him go. She got the, we sent her the, the, um, the list of things that you had to take to camp, and one of the things on the list for camp was a Bible. We want the kids to take a Bible with them. Gunner had never owned a Bible in his life, so his mama goes and buys him a, a Bible. First Bible he ever had. Pretty pumped about that. And off he goes to camp. Now, they would go to a camp that wasn't too far from where the church was located, so even though I wasn't taking the kids that year, I, um, I would go over a couple of nights, and, and his mama begged me. She said, listen, when you get over there, I want you to specifically check up on Gunner, make sure he's still living and breathing, and at least change his clothes once right while he's there. And I went over there, spent a day and an evening worship with him, and he was doing great, and having a ball. Well, every night at camp, there's a worship service and a gospel presentation given and an invitation given. And one of the nights that the gospel was presented and the invitation was given, 10-year-old Gunner made a profession of faith. When he got home from camp, he, he came down front one Sunday pretty pumped. Um, he was first in his family, joined the church. And a couple of weeks later, I got to baptize Gunner. It was a great day. God used that, by the way, to draw his whole family. Um, they had really been wayward from the church, and so God used that to draw them back and, It was a beautiful time. I don't remember now the date, so that was probably June or July, 2007. Summer progresses, school year starts. On on Halloween night, so October 31, Gunnar was playing in in the yard with his family at a family event and was uh, playing in the yard and in just a tragic turn of events, was accidentally run over by his uncle and killed. Now, friends, I'm going to tell you something. When you deal with a family and you preach a funeral of a 10-year-old little boy who died, it is always heartbreaking. So on that following Tuesday, so November the 6th, the church and Gunner's family, we gathered at the, at the church to, for his funeral. And there's a lot of heartbreak and a lot of grief but there was a moment, a palpable moment of celebration. We could not have known almost, I guess, about 120 days earlier when Gunnar made a profession of faith and God wrote his name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That would be about 120 days before he'd be called home. Nobody expects a 10-year-old boy to die. But I stood in front of that family and I stood in front of that church. We acknowledged the grief and we acknowledged our sadness, but we rejoiced that in that moment of great heartbreak for us, Gunnar Far remembered, or G- Gunnar Far experienced all the promises of the gospel instantaneously. The wages of sin is death, but he believed on Jesus And he received the free gift of God of eternal life. That began the moment he believed. And it was, it came to fruition the moment he stepped into eternity. Friends, no one knows what tomorrow holds. But I do know this, today is the day of salvation. Romans three tells us for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans five tells us, but, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans six tells us that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 10 says, And if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And just a verse or two later, it has one of the most beautiful, precious declarations of all of Scripture in Romans 10, 13, where it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I cannot promise you, nor do I know what the next minute, what the next day, what the next year has for you and I. But I know this, that today, if you will call on the Lord unto salvation, you will be saved. Thank you for listening to All for the Kingdom, a weekly podcast of my preaching ministry. For more sermons, blog posts, and other related content, go to bensmithsenior.org. That's bensmithsr.org. I am the pastor of Central Baptist Church in Waycross, Georgia. I would love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 201 Ava Street here in Waycross. Our morning services begin at 1030 a.m. For more information about Central Baptist, go to cbcwaycross.org. Again, thank you for listening. And until the Lord returns, let us live each moment, all for the King and all for the Kingdom.